Hey guys, welcome back to the 956 podcast, a podcast from the RGV. Uh, welcome back, guys. We want to thank you for all the support uh, that we've been getting. We really appreciate that. And it's been an overwhelming um, support from you guys. Uh, we really thank you that you're coming back, giving us some feedback to those individuals. We really appreciate it. We want to start with a brief warning. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over here to Cassie to talk about COVID-19 cases spiking here in the RGV. So, guys, I know we probably sound like a broken record already since we did a whole episode about it. But... Um, as of November 20th, the cases in the RGV have skyrocketed. That day, particularly, we reported over 700 cases in a day. And that's very terrifying because the days prior, we were, record- we were recording about 600 per day. And I do believe that this is all the result from the Halloween fiasco thing. So with... um. Holidays coming around, I just want to ask you guys just to please be safe. Um, I know, um, especially in our Hispanic community, being around family is very important right now. But if we are to um, gather in our family setting, at least have it be outside in the open air, um, be six feet apart, um, always wash your hands, and if needed be, um, wear a mask. That's all like we can really do to prevent this from spreading even more. Very well said. Yes. Um, one of the things I wanted to add is that we are a very uh, we are a Hispanic community and everybody's very close together. So we know that you guys want to see grandma and the tias and the little nephews and the cousins and whatnot. But um, this whole temperature dropping down a little bit. I know it's Texas. You know, it's not going to drop dramatically, but people do want to be indoor, and that's the number one thing that we should be avoiding right now: gathering indoors. We really apologize, honestly. We don't want to talk about COVID nineteen no more. Like Cassie said, we sound like a broken record, but the fact that cases have been spiking from two hundred daily to a whopping seven hundred that just shows that people are not listening. And I know you guys, um, the audience, you guys do listen, but nevertheless, it's important just to give a quick reminder here. With that said, we're just going to jump here into our segment of the day. We're going to talk about police in the RGB losing their lives in the line of duty. We're going to start off by mentioning in the last two years, we lost two officers. I'm, I'm sorry. We lost an, a total amount of four officers. And I'm going to hand it here to Cassie real quick. She's going to read off a website called officersdownmemorialpage.org or abbreviations is odmp.org. And you guys can look this up. We're going to read off of this because it's the most accurate, up-to-date information that we can get for these officers. So Cassie, why don't you help us out with this one? All right, guys. So the first officer that we're going to be talking about today is Trooper Moses Sanchez. So as we all heard, um, this was a very big case considering that we haven't had a case like this happen in the Valley, at least like for my lifespan. Um, So Trooper Moises Sanchez was 49 years old and he did a tour of four years with the the Texas Highway Patrol. He succumbed to complications of a gunshot wound sustained on April 4th, I'm sorry, April 6th. Um, 2019 in McAllen, Texas. He had responded to a hit-and-run vehicle crash at the intersection of North 10th Street and West Freddy Gonzalez Drive. He located the suspect approximately one block away and attempted to take him into custody. The subject shot him in the shoulder and in the head during the arrest. 
Trooper Sanchez was transported to a local hospital with serious injuries. He succumbed to the complications of his wounds on August 24, 2019, following surgery. The suspect was arrested following a manhunt. He was charged with capital murder after Trooper Sanchez passed away. Trooper Sanchez um, is survived by his wife and three children. Uh, that is correct. One more thing to add. In October 2019, the corner where he was shot uh, was renamed to Trooper Moises Sanchez Boulevard. And that was the community coming together to honor his death. And there's another mural that we're going to talk about here in a little minute that was commissioned by the Boys and Girls Club of America. And they commemorate uh, Trooper Sanchez and uh, two officers in uh, McAllen who also lost their lives uh, very briefly this year following the incidents of uh, Black Lives Matter, the death of George Floyd. But we'll get that to, to the in a minute. The other officer that we want to talk about is Jose Luis Espiri Espiracueta Jr. This gentleman is from Mission and he was the one who, who followed after, you know, Trooper Sanchez passed away. Unfortunately, this gentleman was 44 years of age. And he he was in the he served for 18 years. The story behind this gentleman, Corporal Jose Espiracueta, was shot and killed as as he and other officers attempted to apprehend a subject who had threatened a family member. A woman flagged down officers in the area of Stewart Road and Business Highway 83 and told them that her son had just shot her car with a handgun. Corporal Spiracueta and other officers responded to the scene and located the subject, who then fled on foot. As the man ran, he turned and opened fire, striking Corporal Spiracueta multiple times. Other officers returned fire and killed the man. Uh, Corporal Spiracueta had served with the Mission Police Department for 13 years and previously served with the Samanita Police Department for five years. He is survived by his wife and two children. So uh, there, there is a lot of, uh, you would say, similarities here. You know, both of these men were family men. Uh, so right now, we just want to lay out the facts, and then we're going to discuss a little bit of uh, further in details. So the next officer we're going to be talking about is Ismael um, Chavez. So Officer um, Ismael Chavez was shot and killed in an ambush responding to a domestic disturbance call on the home of... Um, 3500 block of Geta Street. Sorry, guys. Um, they had approached the front door of the home when they were suddenly ambushed and shot before drawing their weapons or making an emergency broadcast. Um, other officers were sent to check on them, um, came across the scene, and immediately requested for backup. The subject who ambushed them committed suicide as additional units arrived on scene. Officer Sanchez had served with the McAllen Police Department for two and a half years. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the other officer who responded to that incident, it's Edelmiro Garza Jr. And the story is very similar. That's, we're not going to read it here. But he was 35 years old and he's a veteran of nine years. Uh, you know, he, he served for nine years with the uh, McAllen Police Department. And unfortunately, these two officers, they didn't have a chance to respond. You know, normally... I think officers know what their the danger of their jobs is, but this is the valley, you know. We don't have violence individuals, or we would hear growing up, as Cassie mentioned, uh, growing up we wouldn't hear uh, of individuals in the community going out there and shooting police officers the way that we've been hearing the last two years, uh, which is mind-blowing. Normally, it would be like verbal insults and things like that, not fully on going uh, ape crazy and pulling out a gun and shooting at um, officers. You know, that's just unheard of. 
Right. And what all of these incidents have in common is just that these individuals who unfortunately shot at these police officers, they were all doing it to avoid arrest. That's right. And and not only that, you know, the officers are fairly young. They're like in their mid thirties and the guys who perpetrate these heinous crimes, they're even younger. They're in their twenties. Cassie is twenty two and myself, I'm twenty five and during that age, it's crazy to think that your peers that, you know, as, as you go on in life, they take different paths. And unfortunately, these men chose the wrong ones. So we're going to talk about a little bit of the mural right here. And I think that was that was a really great gesture. I love the mural. Mm-hmm. It was done by this gentleman. He is known as pop culture and you can find him on facebook as alex andrew he was commissioned by the boys and girls club in mccallan yeah in mccallan because this gentleman trooper sanchez he actually was uh like a coach there so they wanted to commemorate him and remember him and obviously the officers from uh, McAllen as well. And uh, all of this artwork, you guys can see it on the screen and we're going to link it down below it as well. You know, I was telling Cassie that I love this mural. It's a great piece of art, but I don't think it should exist in the way that it does. Unfortunately, we didn't have to lose these lives um, senselessly. One of the things that stood out to me when I was reading the article was one of the quotes from, uh, what's her name? The sister of Officer, I believe, Garza. And we're going to read it to you guys because it struck me and kind of encapsulates really what the whole sentiment had to say. Um, so I'm going to hand it over here to Cassie. She's going to read it for you guys. To the community, we ask you never forget these men are the true heroes that selflessly gave their lives to protect our community. We will never be able to bring them back, but what consoles us is that the praise our Lord is with us every step of the way. That's correct. I think um, that really resonates with uh, what we're faced with. You know, these men are the true heroes. You know, they go out there, they say goodbye to their families and, you know, their wife and children, and they don't know if they're going to see them again. I mean, that's truly something that it, it takes a lot, you know, to do. I, I just can't imagine uh, if I were to have a family and not knowing if I'm going to make it back home uh, safe. We want to read another quote, uh, and that's from... Uh, this one's coming from uh, Mission. We're going to say Speedy because it's such a catchy name mm-hmm. and uh, he, he wonderful, wonderful gentleman here. Our community was kept safe by an officer who paid the ultimate price for us. We must do all we can to prevent sen- senseless violence and crime in our communities and support our men and women on the force. Yeah, that was said by, um, by Gonzalez. I believe he's a chief there. The reason why we want to talk about this, in addition to wanting to later in later on talk about uh, BLM, it, it's because a lot of people have the sentiment that racism doesn't exist in the Rio Grande Valley, but unfortunately, it does. You know, absolutely. Just because we don't have a large population of people of color and uh, we are predominantly Hispanic and white, uh, we do see it in our community we just don't want to face it not to get political or anything like that but we saw a lot of support for donald trump in the rgb like we never seen before we saw i know i know we have a population of uh republicans but the numbers that came out when they were doing their uh train it was just uh immense you know absolutely and in the corner of nolana and 10th street there are a group of people there were a group of people who were in support of the BLM movement. 
And in the turning lane, there was always, I would every time I would pass, there was always a truck that had the Trump flag on there. And this one time that I had passed, this man literally got off of the truck and he was like trying to get in a fight with the protesters or like, not they're not protesters, but the activists there in the corner. He like was holding up traffic. Everyone who was behind him, like just trying to mind their own business and just like turn. He got off of the truck and started to pick a fight with the activists. That is correct. And um, that whole thing ties in with uh, that other gentleman that we want to talk about. I know we've been teasing him for there's a second episode that uh, we record where he's brought up as the chainsaw man. And he says some very disgusting racial slurs. Uh, and and um, we want to talk about him, too. But uh, first, we wanted to address this issue uh, first off and foremost. So it, it's I don't know what's going on in the community that these young men are committing these crimes. But the community is truly hurt. I, I We're not a big city like New York or Chicago or any of those places. So all of these people that we see day in and day out, it's like we face each other every day. Like it's your neighbors, your family members and whatnot. So to see that the brutality to which police has increased tells paints a picture that you don't know where the RGV is going. Are we, you know, what are we doing wrong? I think that's that's what I'm trying to say. Or where are we going wrong? Absolutely. And the thing is, again, I don't want to get too political, but it has to be said, everything that Donald Trump stands for is just to incite violence against people who think otherwise. Uh, absolutely. Uh, whether we like it or not. For a second, let's let's put aside politics, right? Let's not say the right or the left, Republican or Democrat. Let's just put it all great. This, uh, our president right now is inciting a lot of violence. It's divided. The country has, hasn't been this divided in history like we are right now. Um, that is very concerning. And I don't care whether you're red or blue. Bottom line is we have turned this into an issue of us versus them. And it should be like more progressive. You know, we should be like, well, what can we do to fix all these issues? And you know, prevent senseless deaths and violence in the community like what you've seen these past two years. I think that there should be stricter gun laws, whether, again, you're red or blue. There should be some some more, a better gun reform that doesn't allow anybody to own guns who is mentally stable. Because somebody that sh shoots an officer, they're not mentally sane, I would say. I don't think if you're going to open fire towards uh, a police officer, you aren't. You aren't in like the right state of mind. You're, thank you. I don't think you're in the right state of mind if you're going to open fire to, towards a police officer. You know, they're, they're out there protecting the community. They're not out there to mess around with anybody. They don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to make uh, the community more toxic by giving them tickets just because I want to. And I mean, that's not their job. Right. They're just here to keep the peace and just to enforce our laws that we have in place. Absolutely. I mean, I think I'm I'm not like Mr. Innocent right here. I've gotten speeding tickets before. And I, I do, you know, like any other individual, you know, get a little upset, you know. You can't help that feeling to be like, oh, man, like, why the fuck did you get a ticket and this and that? And you start cussing or you you want to, like, uh, react. But at the end of the day, like, 
if if you did something wrong, you're gonna you know they're gonna stop you. Uh, they're gonna pull you over and they're gonna give you either a warning or a ticket. And they're just not targeting you. You're not the center of the world. You just happen to be caught doing the wrong thing, and that's it. Absolutely. If you break the law, you're gonna get a ticket. All those commercials that come out, like either click it or ticket, <laughs> wear your seatbelt. Absolutely. And we are tired of all these things. You know, we're tired of being told how, you know, I think people get tired of being told what to do and how to live their lives. But these things are there in place for a reason, because a lot of people just don't understand, you know, in EMS, we see this all the time where common sense, it's not often as common as we think it is, you know, for instance, like the seatbelt, people should wear the seatbelts. And then we respond to car crashes where people weren't wearing the seatbelt. And they up getting they end up getting injured. And they're like, Well, sir, were you wearing your seatbelt? No. Why? Uh and you're like, Well, common sense. Absolutely. Common sense isn't that common. And that's why we have to repeat it. Of course. At the end of the day, it just comes down to the community being hurt right now and not not recuperating uh from the lo- the losses of these officers. I mean uh, I myself, in the line of, of work that I do, we rely on them because there's assaults, there's uh, fires, there is drug use in the community. And those are things that every that they're everywhere. And when we respond to these calls, we have to we have to, we rely on them, you know, to make sure that the scene is safe and we can go in safely. I mean, I can't picture my job being done without uh, police officers. You know, I don't know if I'm going to respond to uh, overdose and where the person is still frantic or. Or it's hallucinating. It's having a, a negative drug reaction, and it's end up it's gonna end up harming me instead of me helping him out. Things of that nature, you know. Or like a domestic violence case where the I don't know how do you say it. So, for instance, most domestic violence uh, they're perpetrated by the man and not the woman. And say, for example, I go to a house that you know misses. I don't know. Julie got. Uh, punch in the face by his drunk husband. I need, I, before I go into that house and treat uh, Mrs. Julie for her uh, black eye, I'm going to have to depend on PD to go into the house and apprehend the, the, the guy who's drunk. Because if I go in there, he's probably going to tell me, no, don't touch my wife or no, you're not welcome here. And he's going to start throwing punches at me. Like, how am I supposed to do my job? So we heavily rely on on the officers, you know, to keep the peace. Heck, if tomorrow, you know, somebody's breaking into my apartment, who am I going to call? That police. If I see some some kind of disturbance, you know, going on in the street, you know, who are you going to call? The police. Uh, if you're feeling unsafe, who are you going to call? The police. In addition to that, I think uh, Cassie, who works in... In the general realm of uh, mental disability, sometimes um, to tie it together with this defund the police was another movement that emerged this year, right? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's break it down. When it comes to defund the police, I think a lot of uh, people have that misunderstanding that it means cut all fundings to the police. We don't want no officers in the street. And that's not the case. Absolutely. Like there was a case in FAR where the police responded to um, an individual. The mom called because she wanted the son to be taken to Tropical. And the police mistaked his, what was it? His BB BB gun? gun? Yeah. For a shotgun and they shot at him. Uh, Correction. Uh, They mistake it for an actual uh, gun. And I know it's really 
hard to tell whether which one is the BB gun and which one's the actual gun. But how could this be handled differently, right? Uh, especially where individuals are not that well educated. I think the correct approach here should have been like, sure, let's involve the uh, police officers, but let's also bring in somebody who is equipped and capable of handling somebody who is in, having a, a mental breakdown or some kind of mental crisis, a social worker. who A social worker, a counselor, anyone in the mental health field to accompany them and to de-escalate the situation. That would just be something that the cops would have one less worry about of having to de-escalate situations and just worry about keeping the peace and protecting people. That's another thing that defund the police movement uh, means, you know, it's taking all this workload that we put on our officers and we stress them out to the point where, you know, we expect too much from them. Uh, we expect them to respond to practically everything. Uh, homeless people, call the police. Uh, domestic violence, call the police. Overdose, call the police. Uh, somebody having a mental breakdown who needs mental health, call the police. And while for a second, uh, your first instinct is to call the police, I mean, you're not wrong. I think all of us, if we don't know what kind of services are being offered out there by, you know, all these agencies and uh, nonprofit groups, uh, you wouldn't know what to do. So educating the public and taking some workload out of our local uh, law enforcement, I think that's going to be great. And redirecting some of those funds to other programs that could make, uh, I would say, the the biggest impact and potentially save lives. Uh, unfortunately, uh, people are going to have a problem with that. But the reality is that we need to have a different approach and change is not always welcome. And I don't think it will be um, welcome down here just because the people, um, I don't want to say that they're... They're a little less educated about the services here in the valley. I think, yeah, a lot of these services are underfunded. For instance, if if we want to talk about change, there is something that it's happening right now. And I think it was the city of Far. Or oh, it was the city of Far. So what they did is that they are decriminalizing um, possession of, I believe it was just marijuana. Yeah, I think uh, it was uh some 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 kind of version where if you're caught with less than two ounces, um, you get to be released again. You know, with a citation. In in a, in a big sense, a decriminalization of uh, marijuana. I know that like more than fifty percent of the United States has decriminalized marijuana in some form, and change is coming slow, but. Uh, it's coming to us, and I believe people, just younger individuals like ourselves, you know, we understand the implications of what really is false information. Uh, for instance, like classifying marijuana as a Schedule One drug, next to like met methamphetamine and uh, cocaine, it's like it's not a hard drug, right? And um, there's a lot of incarceration for that. I'm not completely endorsing the use of drugs, but we are seeing change slowly coming to the RGV, and I think that's a very positive thing. Uh, now, bringing it back a little bit to uh, the whole police brutality that we're having here in the RGB, it's important to remember that to reach out to these individuals, you know, who are committing uh, these crimes, it's hard to know who they are, but if you see the signs of a troubling individual, you know, maybe uh, talk to them and Look into the programs that are available in your area. You can always call 
and uh, get some information for free. Try to prevent these uh, senseless deaths in our community. You know, our officers don't need to, you know, be seen by their family in a casket. I think nobody should uh, have to experience that. But unfortunately, this is where we're living in, and uh, it's very sad. In addition to that, uh, we want to talk about uh, two other individuals who lost their lives this year. And it wasn't related to uh, them being shot in the line of duty, but uh, related to COVID-19. So the first individual, a gentleman from Mission, and his name is Officer Jorge Cabrera. So Jorge Cabrera, he was um, 42 years of age. He served for 12 years and uh, one month. He passed away, unfortunately, due to COVID-19. Uh, he was uh, exposed while on duty. He served for 12 years in mission. He survived by his wife and three children. In early 2020, thousands of law enforcement officers of and other first responders throughout the county contracted COVID-19 during the worldwide pandemic. Due to requirements of their jobs, many of these first responders died as a result of COVID-19. Again, more deaths in the community that, uh, you know, left uh, their wives and children's uh, obviously uh, mourning the deaths of the loved ones. And the other gentleman who we want to mention, his name is Jesse De La Rosa. Jesse De La Rosa, he worked for West Laco Fire Department and he was both a firefighter and a paramedic. He served for 30 years and obviously... As we know, he lost the battle against COVID-19. What else can I say? You know, it's truly heartbreaking, the losses that we see in the community. And um, I, I don't think there's no more words that I can add to that. To that. Of course, um, these lives could have been saved if our community would have followed CDC guidelines. Uh, absolutely. We see downtown McAllen, uh, full blast, no mask, people close very close to each other and it's mainly young people um it's really hard to get the message across them we see the flea markets crowded again that's another one uh, the mall being open i think the movies recently open as well right yes the movies uh, are open. jesus uh, i think all of the movie theaters are open right now truly uh disturbing news we don't know what's gonna happen next we are bracing for a second wave so who knows what's gonna happen and with that guys um we do want to mention again if you are to um, go with your family for the holidays just please keep your distance wash your hands wear the mask and stay safe you know if you're protecting yourself and your family members help protect the community as well because these are our friends and neighbors and we don't want to see uh more lives being lost to um, coronavirus and uh, with that said we do want to make a lighter and more heartwarming episode i know these past two episodes i've been kind of like very dark but it's kind of like the polarizing topics that we want to get out of the way before we get into other stuff i think moving forward we're gonna focus a little bit on uh the weekly top stories and break them down be more commentary more than anything but i did wanted to get these topics out of the way first and foremost with that said guys thank you again for all the love and support that we've been getting from you guys you know if you like this episode just give it a like follow us on our social media uh we're on instagram twitter and uh, we have an email. Uh, we haven't done it. Uh, we haven't made a Facebook nor and Snapchat just because it's just too much, you know. So right now we're just going to keep it very simple. And all of our handles are going to be at the 956 podcast. And our email is at the 956 podcast at gmail.com. 
Again, guys, all of that's going to be down in the description box. Uh, we're also on YouTube where you can be watching this uh, video version of it. Oh, that's right. There's a video version of it now. And uh, we do read your comments. Um, we reply. We really appreciate all the love and support again, guys. Thank you. And with that said, uh, we're going to finish it for today. Of course. But again, guys, if you have any suggestions, any um topics that you guys want us to talk about or just um they'll throw it in there um just go ahead and leave it in the comments down below or shoot us um an email or anywhere else on our other social medias thank you guys thanks guys hopefully we'll see you next week bye bye <laughs>